Hello and welcome to the Punch Pod. My name is Panchreel and this is a podcast where I talk about creativity, art and everything in between. Joining me today are Ira Gopal and Piyushi Sharma. They are the creators of the 5 Minute Library, a podcast where they explore books that read you. Ira and Piyushi are both bookworms, much like myself, and are quite cool people to be honest. Ira works in the field of cyber marketing, something that I know nothing about, and for the past few months she has been traveling across North India helping hostels with content creation and digital marketing. Piyushi is an artist, writer, and public speaker. She has been working in the marketing space since she was 15 years old. How she managed to do that, I have no clue. Today we'll discuss our favorite books, why make podcasts, and our eternal struggle with the algorithm. Ira and Piyushi, thank you so much for being a part of this. And this is actually one of the first in-person interviews I'm doing since I started the podcast, so I am a little bit nervous. Hi Panchil, uh, thank you so much for having us. We're also a little nervous because this we've never done an in-person interview before, but we're really excited to be here and talk to you today. Hi Panchil, thank you for having us. <laughs> I've already messed up a couple of times, which is why I'm laughing in case it makes it to the final cut. This is uh this is our first in-person interview ever because we just started this podcast in the middle of a lockdown so this is the first for us as well we're really really happy to be here cool so today i want to talk to you guys about why you actually started the 5 minute library so take me back to the very very beginning what made you want to start a podcast and what is the story behind the 5 minute library so it began as most uh, stories typically do we were at home frustrated bored and we decided to have a wine night and for context this was bang in the middle of the pandemic we were extremely frustrated with everything going around and both of us were ending up reading a lot more because we were spending a lot of times on our phones or on the tv and laptops and books were like a really nice way to sort of escape from everything going about so it was about 2:30 3 in the morning we were about two bottles of wine down and we were talking about things that we wanted to do and suddenly we realized that you know we both really love to read books and it's it's such a dying culture in some ways because people will either read ebooks or they'll read short form version of books but it just seems to be some nobody will really sit down with a whole book and read it unless they're doing it unless they're romanticizing it like reading it with a cup of coffee in a garden or in a plane just regularly doesn't happen much anymore so so um we just randomly floated this idea across okay we were like let's just do something i mean it's it's we have so much time we have all these books we have this marketing career that's common between the two of us so we kept on floating a bunch of ideas around and then we slept off the next day we woke up went for breakfast and uh we were pretty hungover we were sitting and having like coffee and we were like hey do you want to actually go through with this and uh, so we came up with a whole list of things we have in common things we could talk about and we realized books was the perfect topic for a podcast and um it kind of just went from there it we, it wasn't supposed to be a big project but it kept on growing and 11 months later turned into a proper brand so that's how it started That's amazing. I I and coming back to the podcast, I want to talk about the actual podcast, right? Because the format is something that I haven't seen before. Because what it seems like is one of you has read the book and you're explaining to the other one why like why you like that book. So what was the thinking behind making it that way? 
So to be honest, uh, it happened very organically because Piyushi has a certain kind of books that she likes to read, mostly non-fiction, business, self-help, and I have certain kind of books that I like to read. And we tried reach- reading <laughs> each other's books. <laughs> what was that like? What was that like? Did you try reading self-help and non-fiction? You want to tell them about the um, the really gory yes. book that I tried to read? Right. So uh, we covered this true crime book on our podcast, uh, The Deadly Dozen by Anirban Bhattacharya. And uh, so Ira read a bit of it and she said, no, like this is a lot. And I like horror. I like crime. So I read most of it and I kept trying to protect her from the really, really gory parts, okay? Like very descriptive um, murders. So I would sk- I would ask her to skip those chapters and skip those parts because I'd read the book and she would just read like other parts of the book. But then we had the uh, author's own interview and uh, Mr. A.B., he read out the most gory paragraph from the entire book on the episode and all my efforts went to waste uh, everything that I was protecting her from because there was a disclaimer before not just before the book and the chapters before that paragraph so it was really bad and that's how it went when we tried to uh, read each other's genres what kind of books do each of you like to read Ira? So I love to read uh, sort of fictional books and also books that are more emotional and like more emotional in nature. So I'll typically read books that help me escape into a fantasy world or books that deal with very real people and raw emotions. So I can sort of figure out whatever I'm going through in life with regards to their experiences. So that's how I make sense of things going on around me. Piyushi, what about you? Uh, I have a pretty wide range. Sometimes when it comes to work, I'll read a lot of self-help, business. And uh, sometimes when I don't feel like having any self-growth and I just want to relax, um, I'll either go to a hardcore fantasy or comics. So, usually you basically read everything. No, I can't read the books that Ira reads. Like the really nice ones, you know, that are nice and sweet and really wholesome I just can't do that but I'm just gonna say that I think reading any book like I completely without guilt read the what was that series about that princess yeah the the fantasy or something the one yeah the, the crown. one the crown it's basically about a princess and her prince and some mm. it's quite kiddish but I read it with a lot of passion and emotion <laughs> and dedication so yeah just read whatever you like that's true that's true so coming to you guys with full-time jobs and you know conceptualizing this new show and Ira takes on a lot more projects than she can handle how do you guys manage all of this so to be really honest it's all about um there's these very uh, short time window frames that we sort of manage to find within a week or within a day like supposing Piyushi once she gets done with her work And once I'm done with mine or I'm on a small lunch break and we have like, say, 30 minutes, we'd be like, hey, let's record this episode then. And in those 30 minutes, there's like this mounting pressure, okay? Like we'll set up everything and the clock is ticking. My lunch break is ending. She has to go somewhere. And we're like, okay, we need to think what we like about this book. And we blank out. Like we're like, we (laughs) can't seem to remember. But I think that's what it is. We just uh, like squeeze it in the middle of everything that goes on. But then once we start working on it, we get really engrossed and I think we keep on rolling with it until, you know, we feel like we're done. So we don't really slot for the amount of time we spend on the library, but we always end up spending more than we thought we would. That's true. Uh, also, when it comes to 
our to-do list for the five minute library ira takes on the tasks which require a lot of attention to detail a lot of focus and i take on tasks that i can multitask with so she is the one who will go like really deep into one one thing and go do it really well and i'm the kind of person who can do multiple things at once so we sort of bring that together and um, that really works out so i think it's important to have a partner for whether it's your um, podcast or your brand or your business really important to have someone who has a very different kind of a skill set so that really helps out definitely i think uh, that's what you know because we have very complementary strengths and weaknesses and i think that really helps not just in terms of time management but also while creating content like piushi is really good with her outreach and i'm better with my like good with my content and like creative conceptualization end so when she'll find out like great opportunities for us we can work really well together to see creative ways to capitalize on them so i just think it's really nice that we have these yeah. opposing sort of personality traits even like her personality is kind of goth and uh, <laughs> i never grew out of my teenage angst i'm sorry yeah <laughs> and i'm a little more oh unicorns and rainbows i love the color pink sort of so somehow that also yeah helps and we also pull each other back when needed so for example sometimes ira will want to make really cool content okay so she'll go all out with her creativity make it really well and i have to pull her back by saying hey instagram's not going to like this is too much text and it actually instagram likes very simple context and same with me sometimes with outreach i kind of go a little all out and um i don't need to pull her back because uh linkedin and instagram do it for me by basically blocking piushi because they think she's a bot because that's how um rigorous the outreach is i think i think they're just scared because i can compete against the bots and i can win so that's my philosophy But yeah, uh, the short answer. I think it's really important to sort of have opposing traits that can meet at a very optimum point for everything. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool, dude. I never actually thought about it like that. I've I've always worked individually, so I've never had a partner who can you know pull me back or you know with like different traits. So it's very interesting to see that both of you are doing it and making it work so very successfully. Piyushi, you said something about. Instagram not liking a lot of text. So let's let's move our conversation to platforms as a whole. Right. Out of the platforms you said Instagram and LinkedIn have worked the best for you. Instagram thing I understand, right? Because Instagram is a more like almost everyone is on Instagram. But LinkedIn is more like for business corporate people. Mm-hmm. I've I I don't use LinkedIn a lot, so I have no idea about that. Why do you think something like the 5 minute library worked so well on LinkedIn? I disagree with you when you say that LinkedIn is more for businessy corporate people mm. because every single author we've had has come from either a direct LinkedIn connection or a word of mouth connection that came because of LinkedIn. So LinkedIn was incredible for uh, reaching out to authors, for reaching out to publishing houses, and at the end of the day, whatever your topic is, right? Whether it's books, whether it's a general product. there are a lot of people that work in corpus that you'll have to get in touch with and linkedin is no longer just corporate people there's so many artists on there there's so many uh different kinds of just authors and writers and journalists that are on there and even for outreach because most of these publications most of magazines have their editors on linkedin 
So I would just reach out to them. I mean, I started with a very aggressive sales tactic where I stalked about 30 authors, made a database of their links, their genres, their books, uh, their experience. Their past lives, their families, <laughs> what they ate for lunch. I, I genuinely did. I color-coded the whole thing. And then we decided to reach out to the top five, okay? The first five. And the first one we reached out to turned out to be Raga De Silva, who started um, the author's own series with us where she was the first author that we interviewed for the series. And then with that, it just kind of just went on. It became like a really good thing. So had it not been for LinkedIn, I don't think we would have expanded as much as we did. Yeah. And just in addition to what, like I was also of the opinion that it's very corporate and stuff. But our first guest, Raga, uh, she came out at the age of 50 and uh, she and Nicola, her partner, uh, now are living really happily with their family and they are working towards uh, LGBTQIA plus awareness across the world and especially sharing stories in India. So she was, and she's actually pretty famous, like she's been on a couple of shows, she's gotten features in a lot of places and we got her connect through LinkedIn and through Piyushi's crazy database. So I think LinkedIn is very much more versatile than we give it credit for. So in in hierarchy of platforms that have worked best for you, would you say, what, what would the hierarchy be? Would LinkedIn be number one? Yes. LinkedIn, Instagram. And Spotify. And Spotify. I mean, audio platforms are a whole different thing. We use social media to promote our audio platforms. So uh, definitely LinkedIn first. I think it's the next Instagram. Really? That's bold statement. I definitely agree. I think it's the next Instagram because Instagram is more of like young Teenage content with a lot of, you know, reels and all coming up. But when you enter the workforce, it's LinkedIn. That's where that will really help you. Pretty cool. I think um, it was Adele who said something along the lines of, you know, if everyone's making content or if everyone's making music, because she's a musician, if everyone's making music for the TikToks and the Instagrams, who's making music for the people of my age? Who's making music yes. for 30-year-olds? Who's making music for adults who are already, you know, who've gone through all of that. So I think that kind of connects well with what you said about LinkedIn. I will always support LinkedIn, always. If Instagram does want to sponsor me, that's okay though. Like, I can put that aside for a minute. Now, I have a question for Piyushi and Ira, but first, Piyushi. Okay, we're, we're living in an like entirely market-driven, sales-driven world. And I think earlier people would just create art because they wanted to with no return, you know, they didn't want anything in return. But now I've noticed this with almost every artist that I know, that they even before they create something, even before they make something, they keep thinking, okay, how will I market this? Will this go as a reel? Will this go as a post? Will this go as a story? Uh, should I make a YouTube video about this? This is all of the thought process that goes on before creating the art, right? Mm -hmm. That doesn't sit very well with me because I I think that creating art in an, in and of itself is enough ROI, right? I know that you're an artist. So as an artist and as a marketer, what do you think of this? Like, do you think artists should create with, you know, marketing and producing in mind? I think um, everybody has different methods that work for them. With me, the way I work at um, the five minute library is very different from um, the way I work with my art. Because with the five minute library, it's a lot more planned. And I say, okay, these posts are going to go up. This is how we're going to do it. With my art, I just make it. And then, okay, I'll make a reel about it. If it goes, it goes. If it doesn't, I'm still happy. I still have a really nice painting. And I'm still going to put it up on platforms for it to sell. 
but for some reason i just don't use my marketing brain with my art because i feel like it kind of corrupts it so i kind of stick my marketing tactics and my really aggressive sales and outreach to professional professional projects and art is something that i do for peace of mind if i can add something just from me knowing piyushi for as long as i know her i think it was in front of me that uh, a neighbor of mine saw piyushi's painting and she was like hey this is so beautiful uh, can i buy it and piyushi in that moment she sort of said no and this and that she avoided it and later i asked her why like why don't you want to sell your art and she said it's very deeply personal to her like it's something that she's made and she doesn't know how to part with it you know like everything that she's put in it's difficult for her to part with it and it's also but i've seen how quickly she puts out things that are meant to be put out so i think your brain just sort of categorizes it into yeah. things that are for you and like count as your your time and things that are for outreach and count as your productive work time yeah so i think that's also part of it yeah i think so i think so it's just like i don't want to say bye to my paintings you know i want them in my house yeah so it's just really hard for me to like sell them are you also one of the kind because i i am like this are you also one of the kind of people who has a lot of trouble separating work and professional life like do you put in a lot of yourself in your work so if anyone like says something about your work you feel personally offended how dare you how dare you see my work is not great of course my content is great of course my outreach is great i think yeah, yeah. I, in in that aspect i pull her back a little she does she yeah. always has to be like hey relax <laughs> so is is ira the one who's far more sorted in that sense work and personal is very like you know strict compartmentalization yeah for me it's more like uh, i would see it as a product that somebody can either like dislike or want to give feedback on so it's a little more possible for me to detect. like for example if somebody does something that is sort of unfavorable towards the podcast she would be the one who would get a little more riled up about it yeah. and i would be the one sort of pulling her back and being like you know there are so many products that we ourselves don't like so it's just a product like that for somebody so yeah <laughs> We had some very aggressive conversations about it, yeah. but I was like, "How dare they say that? How dare they? Do they not know us?" So, and then it was always like, "Hey, it's okay, it's relaxed. Like, it's, it's okay. Fine. It's your work. Your work is not okay. you." I treat it as an extension of us, where she like it's separate. So, yeah, no, I'm the same. I I treat everything <laughs> that I do as an extension of myself, and if anything bad happens, I feel very sad about it. Moving on, a question for Ira. on your website it says that you have one of your main weaknesses is that you take on too many projects i am horrible at multitasking right so do you have any tips for me to manage multiple projects because i have a very one track mind right i can't do it's like i have blinders on i am honestly not the best person to ask for these tips because i feel like uh, sometimes uh, there's two problems right there's one that i do take on too many projects and the second is that i want to give my best to each project so it's not like i'll take on different things i'll be like ha you know kar uh, lungi i feel that constant need to really over deliver uh, and i feel like i'm not doing enough constantly but i think of late or uh, what's helped me is and this is a balance that you've actually helped me realize is when i take on things to just stop for a second like just before taking it take a pause and say okay does this align with something i want to be doing about couple of months or couple of years from now and most of the time the answer is no which i was very actually surprised to realize because when i would get projects i would just be like hell yes and now especially with travel content creation a lot of them are coming my way 
and before i would blindly accept and just get myself into a lot of things but now i'm sort of realizing the importance to take guilt free time off for myself to sort of keep my creative batteries recharged and not do anything that doesn't align productively with where i want to be couple of years from now so i think that distinction has been a growth that you helped me with no i mean like honestly when i see ira doing all of these things the first time i actually met her was in a society and she uh, was like oh hi i'm ira and uh, i'm like hi i'm piyushi and we just just we were just talking making small talk and then i asked her okay so what school are you in and then she just went on about yeah she like so i'm in medis i said oh, okay so are you free tomorrow she like no i have this class and i have robotics then i have uh, to go for my sports also and then that's when it hit me that she can do everything i don't think there's anything right now that she cannot do and that just sort of stuck with her throughout even though she was no longer head girl after passing out and she stopped doing like heavy sports but she used to still work a full time job still played football still did this brand still does travel content does a fundraiser in between i could i could not do half of the things she does um so i think that's incredible but i do always ask her hey how many projects do you have on right now <laughs> because every time i get a message from her saying i'm really swamped what are you doing give me a list <laughs> so that's i think how we like pull each other back when needed that's cool um the next question i don't know how to segue into this so i'm just going to ask it to you head on you guys review books right and as book reviewers can you separate the author from their work because i personally cannot it's again the art versus artist kind of argument like would you listen to an artist who's been you know convicted of sexual harassment or sexual assault it's it's that kind of thing i personally cannot i want to get your views on can you separate the author from the piece of work so um i think we've never actually had to think about this in depth until we really started working on the podcast and that's when it became a practical issue like not mm. an issue but a practical point of thinking because we have a series known as the author's own series where we call authors onto the show and we ask them their process of writing the book and sometimes you know as we've seen their answers get very deeply personal like you know or maybe they were in a bad mental space when they were writing the book or maybe something happened that made them write the book and when we hear what they're telling us and then we sort of think back to the book we realize that a part of what they were saying is reflected in the way their writing is coming out which also made us realize that it's very difficult to detach some something so personal like a person's work of art from the person themselves because you are writing it because you're in a particular mental state and that will reflect in your writing I I agree with that when it comes to non-fiction but when it comes to fiction I think it may be possible to separate the art from the artist because that's a whole new world they're creating right when it comes to I've read a lot of fantasy mostly because I loved vampires as a teenager and really wanted to be one but um I I don't think it would have uh it would have sort of combined for me you know any any wrong doing by an artist or the art So for fantasy or other fiction works I think I would be able to separate it but when it comes to non-fiction uh, because of the podcast and because of all the interviews it sort of combines so for me it it heavily depends on the genre hmm. but do you not think okay let's take the example of JK Rowling do, have you guys been following what's been up with her I mean I think because of the internet the the text isn't just the text itself right, right. 
J.K. Rowling will, out of the blues, see, she'll say that Dumbledore's gay. Right. Right. So that really messes with... And Hermione's with, black. And Hermione's black. Yeah. So that really messes with uh, the reader's imagination. So don't you think that's a, like a sacred space that the author should not interfere into? I agree. An author should not. But then again, at the end of the day, it's their own work. So they have the complete liberty to. It's all about how they choose to interact with the community. They do have the liberty to. But do you not think that it kind of takes away from the kind of work that they've done if they keep adding on to it? It's like it with does. any creative project, there has to be a deadline, right? I'm with you on that. I definitely I feel, especially with the Harry Potter universe, or uh, things that... You know, all of these new movies that are coming out and all of these really elaborate, crazy backstories that are just being built like castles in the air, really elaborate ones. I personally have been a very ardent Harry Potter fan since since I was very young. And then, of course, all of this came to light. And now it's just, I'm so disconnected. I don't follow it anymore. It's just become very, it's taken it away from me. And also uh, to what you said about the whole fiction world thing, I think, yes, authors do create fiction worlds that people can escape into. But there is no, I think there's definitely a link between the kind of desires that they have that they might not be very open about. It comes Mm. out in their fictional worlds. For example, if you guys have watched Black Mirror or the episode Mm. of USS Callister, Mm. when he builds that entire fictional world, the game, and he has his own little personal game where he's just a complete asshat. And, you know, he just treats people so poorly. And he takes out everything that he's going on with his real life into the universe. So I think there's always a reflection in the kind of work you create. Would you still read J.K. Rowling after everything that she's said and done? I'm very conflicted about it. Honestly, I'm not sure if I would. It's a very it's very hard for me to let go of, uh, because not of her content aspect, but more of the memories I have associated with reading her books as a child. Like it's a very familiar feeling. But I'm not following any of her, anything recent that she released after these books. It's just a fond memory that I cling on to of the story she's spun. But of course, it's so conflicting now. So yeah, it's tainted. I think our brains selectively ignore all these new comments and all this other new information that's come in. Because I think we want to protect that fantasy space that we've made in our head with the original text. But it's ruined for me. Like I can't... Really? Yeah, like it doesn't give the same feeling of that warm happy feeling is Mm. very it's accompanied with guilt and confusion and just Uh, not good feelings so it's yeah it's tainted now let's talk about creative blocks in one of your episodes i think it was piyushi who'd said uh to think too much about an action often becomes its undoing how do you guys like whenever i'm in a creative block this is exactly how i feel i keep thinking too much about you know is this right is this right is this right will this work will this work But when I'm thinking too much about it, I just end up creating nothing. How do you guys deal with that? And what are some ways that you guys kind of get over your creative blocks? This happened with us a lot. A lot. Especially in the start when we we had to figure out our entire visual identity. Um, It was where we, we would sit every day and work on this. And every day we'd be like... Hey, so should we call ourselves Bibliophiles or should Bibliophiles? Bibliophiles. I'm so glad we didn't stick with that. (laughs) We had a whole list of really corny names that we thought. And even for the visual identity, 
I think each and every book related element on Canva we have mm. used and abused and just <laughs> oof but I think after a couple of days we had the same realization that you spoke about that we are getting effectively nowhere and I think it was a realization that there is endless variety and we are never going to find something that yeah. we absolutely uh, love you know there's never going to be something that we look at yeah. and we'll be like whoa this is it you know it's not going to happen so we need something that checks predefined parameters like is it easy for us to replicate going ahead in the future is it something that is very readable is it something that aligns with what we want our brand to be like quirky bright fun is it something that people will want to keep consuming because it looks interesting so once we had these 3 to 4 like uh, very practical parameters listed down it was easier for us to shortlist and sort of figure out where we want to go Yeah it was a lot easier and i think with creative blocks um a lot of times we would just not be able to do a review because neither of us had finished a book i took 3 months to finish 1984 because i just it was so much it was so much to handle and uh, i think a lot of times ira would also just feel like i don't feel like reading anything heavy right now so um what we started doing was ira would focus a lot on the content aspect on during those uh time frames when we felt uh like we were getting burnt out and i would focus on reading multiple books at a time because that's how i would power through a burnout and she would take her time to allow herself to be creative and that's how we would just sort of get through it i think that's what we did yeah so i would not read and you she would read extra <laughs> basically <laughs> show the personalities pretty cool okay i think i have asked you everything i wanted to ask you now Let's move on to the Q and A section. Okay, awesome. <laughs> cool. Yesterday, I had asked on my Instagram if there was anyone who would like to ask anything to the creators of the Five Minute Library, and these are some of the questions I got. We'll start with this question by Bhaskar, where he says, "We're living in a time where saving time is the number one thing that anyone is looking out for. So, what is your take on infographics, reading books on in- infographics on Instagram, versus reading the whole book?" when it comes to non fiction you want to take this <laughs> i think we might have uh, conflicting views here yeah but uh, i feel uh, especially when it comes to business or self help books i believe that business specifically i believe that it's centered around a particular concept and you can uh, apply that concept in whatever way uh, based on your personal experiences so supposing if you've read a book like the goal right uh, the goal is based on like three to four core concepts that can be summarized and you can sort of relate them back to things you've experienced in the workplace and apply them as you wish because business concepts are versatile and if they aren't then i don't think it's a very good business concept so that's where i sort of come from i think for me when it comes to self help books that are about skills or business i think it's okay to summarize it because a lot of times when i skim through them but when it comes to books that are about maybe someone's life or if it's fiction then i don't think you'd actually be able to read a book properly without reading it line by line so um i think you need that whole experience of reading a book if you're reading something really heavy or something that requires you to create another world in your mind but when it comes to skills and things like that i kind of skim through i did the same with the 4 hour work week i honestly never finished it your it favorite horrible. book by I, tim ferris horrible <laughs> i would never suggest that to anyone okay uh, the next questions are from ankitan bhavna and they are along similar lines so i'll just summarize it 
how are you guys so cool <laughs> and how do you manage to do it all <laughs> we're not cool we're just really cringe and we've accepted being cringe i think like at this point it's okay if we make cringy reels yeah i think that was one of the like uh, we would be very afraid to sort of put ourselves out there yeah. uh, initially because we mm. were and whether it be with reels or even with the content that we were putting out it was really scary for us but as time progressed we sort of realized that you know somebody will find value in what we're putting out and for that one person or two people who find value it's okay if if everyone else finds it cringy so i think that's why, and you can probably notice this evolution on our page we started with only audio and yes. very or uh, you know uh, text heavy posts and now we've gone on to video sort of uh, podcasts and reels and we show our faces mm. a lot more yes. we give organic reactions to things a lot more yes so i think yeah we just became more comfortable with putting ourselves out there okay. as we are <laughs> i think we also stopped caring about opinions and um being judged yeah. and along the way i think it was just like okay you know what it's fine it's okay <laughs> one people maybe like 10 people might judge us but that's okay like we still have like 100 other people that really like our content so that's okay that's one of the only things one of the few things that i like about social media is that how you can build in public and you know if someone who's starting out they can just go down your page and see your evolution with their own eyes and that maybe kind of motivates them to become better yeah or so. or start i would really hope so i feel like if you can get even one person to get into the habit of reading or uh, even start a podcast i think i think we'd be really really happy i think Like it was so wholesome. Imagine if someone comes up to us and says, "Hey, dude, I read this book because of you." Because yeah, that's happened. Yeah, like I remember, so many of our friends used to walk up to us and um, tell us that, "Hey, I ordered this book because of your review." And I even posted it on our, the Five Minute Library story a couple of times, and our whole day would be made. Yeah. So, really makes our heart. That's so cool. Okay, the next question is from Udita. and she has asked you for what are your favorite books adding on to the task questions i'll just expand a little more what are your favorite books and what are some quotes that have stayed with you um so an all time favorite book of mine that i continuously keep going back to is kite runner i think it's a little a lot of people would have read it but i feel like the kind of messages in that book are something that you should read preferably in your formative years because it shapes the way you think But another really nice book that I like is When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kalanithi. So it's about a, a neurosurgeon neuroscientist who's been diagnosed with a very terminal cancer and how he sort of goes ahead dealing with this diagnosis and how he goes from doctor to patient in the same beds that he used to sort of treat patients in. So towards the end uh, there's this one letter that he writes to his daughter and this is around the time when the disease has gotten the best of him. And he writes to her i will not quote it exactly because now it's quite long but he writes to her saying that you know if any time in the future somebody asks his daughter to give an account of herself or just sort of talk about the things that she's done or talk about the impact that she has made she should never discount the amount of joy that she has brought him and the amount of happiness she has given him in his life simply by existing and simply by being her and he mentions the last line is that you know in this time right now that is an enormous thing and i think sometimes when we talk about our achievements and what we've done we forget to factor in the emotional impact we've had on somebody which is huge much huger than much huger than any other physical practical thing we might have done so that really stayed with me 
That's so wholesome. Wow, mine is just straight up DC comics and like vampire books. W- what is your favorite book and quote, Piyush? Um, like I said, I mean vampire books, DC comics. But if I had to really pick one that meant a lot to me, it would be the Book Thief, because um the main character keeps reading books during World War Two to sort of escape everything else going around her, and. While some may say it may be a slightly unhealthy coping mechanism, I think it's perfectly fine to avoid all kinds of stress and uh, an enormous to-do list and read. So I think it's okay. But uh, yeah, that's why I really like the book thief because I feel like I'm doing something right by avoiding all my responsibilities and picking up a really nice book. And I think for my quote, it's a very um, I I sound like a startup founder on Twitter. <laughs> but it is um change leads to disappointment if it's not sustained transformation is sustained change and it's achieved through practice and i really like that transformation is sustained change and it's achieved through practice, practice. i think it talks a lot about consistency and yeah. that's something we really explored with um the brand because every day no matter what we would sit for 10 minutes even if we had a really long day so that's how we kind of got it up and running instead of one day of like a lot of stuff just 10 minutes every day now let's talk about your journey with the 5 minute library when you're reflecting back on your journey how do you think what has changed from when you started to where you are now and what are the plans for the future of the 5 minute library i'll let piyushi elaborate on this but i definitely think the thing that's changed is the vision yes I think uh we also upskilled a lot in the process so many things that we weren't sure of earlier and um like who knew era was really good at video editing who knew i was good at audio editing but it kind of just happened and we learned so much and in the process of learning a lot of opportunities just happened to come maybe because uh we were also very aggressive on linkedin so maybe they just maybe they didn't just happen but <laughs> it honestly so many people reached out to us so many authors reached out to us a lot of brands so that's how we expanded it from a podcast to a brand that offers writing services um column writing services guest articles there's voice over services we offer speaking engagements a lot of brand collaborations so for the next year i think this is what we will be majorly doing i mean of course we'll make a lot of book based content but we would also like to work with some really cool brands that work in a space where people are enabled to grow in whichever way but i really like brands that help out uh with people's creativity a uh, brands that really promote reading culture and i think for 2022 we may have a lot of cool stuff happening so that's what's changed so far that's cool are there any like dream ba- brands that you guys want to work with like a top 2 top 3 i think mm. uh, before we could even visualize what some of our dream brands or dream uh, people were we did cover a lot of you know authors that were penguin publishers yes. and yes and we did reviews for like you know 
places that we didn't really think we would end up but we did yeah but i think yeah maybe a long term contract with penguin would be hopefully nice. hopefully but we also made so many new friends when it came to authors i mean who knew you know we would actually have so many cool authors you know on our show and they're incredibly helpful some of them have helped us to expand our reach like crazy and put us in touch with a lot of different other people helped us with even some of our personal stuff sometimes so um i'm really looking forward to working with a lot more authors yeah that is so cool i'm i'm honestly so glad and so happy to know that you know just because you started doing something that you love an idea that came from a wine drinking session rosé rosé manifested into a very cool product and you guys have made so many friends and so many connections and it's just amazing I love it's to also, see that. It's also because our own, like our friends from Pune and college and other places, really, really supported us. They shared so much of our stuff, even when our content wasn't that great. We hadn't like fine-tuned it, but they would always share. You know, the first deal that we made, so many of our friends shared it, and it was it was just like us. It was so unprofessional, but uh, people were just so supportive, including I think everyone who uh, knew us personally. So. I think a lot of the credit goes to them as well for listening. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Yeah. And honestly, to people like you who also sort of yes. just check in on, who sort of actually remind us why this entire thing happened and yeah. sort of redirect us to where it's going because I yeah. think it's really nice to be reminded sometimes. Yeah. We get excited for every comment. So yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay. Uh, I think that's everything that I have asked you. Are there any questions you want to ask me? Yes. So since you mentioned burnout, um, how do you deal with creative blocks and burnouts? Because you do a lot more creative projects than most other people I know. Honestly, whenever I hit like a creative burnout or like a block, I don't do anything. I literally just stop doing everything and I do nothing. I mean. <laughs> I just like play video games, no creative stuff for as long as possible, and then eventually, when I get bored of that, I come back to my creative projects. Because a lot of creativity is just you know you're you're engaging so much of your brain in thinking of ways to make this project better that eventually, after a while, it just gets too much, and then you hit a brick, hit a brick, hit a wall. <laughs> Sometimes it helps talking to people like you and a lot of my artist friends because. creativity is not linear it's not formed in a vacuum you don't yeah. find it in a vacuum like this conversation i had with you guys i learned so much right and there's definitely something i'm going to take back from let's say what you said about consistency was so great that that last line transformation wala etched in my brain yeah i, I have a question yeah you know yeah so this is more along the lines of the kind of content that you create so i know that you do, you take on a lot of creative projects right so one of them is of course a working with creators like us and you mentioned earlier that you think of it as a long term invest investment when you speak to people like us so just wanted to understand like what what do you mean by a long term investment and what does it take for you to think that hey i should invest in this a lot of people don't understand how just how important time is right i i believe i sincerely believe that a piece of content can change someone's life completely 360 degrees like literally upside down ho sakta hai just because you see or listen or watch one piece of content and what i try to do with everything that i do is try to capture interesting people 
who are doing something very cool at the very early stages because who knows right 10 years 15 years down the line maybe there's some you know kid in like 12th or you know some first year student or someone who's a ca who's trying to figure out what next and then they come across this podcast or they just search you know ca student or like you know books maybe in the future you you guys become like Piyushi will become like a purple what is it purple purple unicorn of marketers <laughs> and she will be a chief strategic officer <laughs> yeah so like in the future you know when you guys reach that level of success someone eventually will come down hunting you guys right you know they'll go back okay this person where did this person start i need to see what they thought about how they approach certain things what were their thoughts about things then and what what they think about now so i i view everything that i do as sort of like a time capsule that people can go back to and visit whenever they have time that's such a nice way to look yeah. at it like all of uh, all of our social media feeds are essentially time capsules yeah. and when we yeah. go back it it happens for really small things mm. when you go back and see an older post snapchat memories yeah so i think it's a really nice way to look at content creation in general yeah I mean this is one thing that you said that really really stuck with me you know viewing content as a long term investment especially now when content is like I've always been seeing it as something that's so fickle you know 5 seconds your reel is done 10 seconds mm-hmm. 12 seconds everyone is like make it quick make it fast but it sticks some things do stick and those things that stick stick for really long and when you come back and review them it can be it can be crazy so thanks for like getting that perspective in yeah. thank you guys Ira and Piyushi thank you so much for being one of the first guests for my in person interview series for the punch pod thank you so much for having us this was incredible uh, this was a first for us as well thank you for introducing us to really shiny equipment and also making us really introspect our vision where we are at right now and where we want to be yeah i think uh, your questions were so well researched and well thought out that it really uh, made us go into places with our thoughts that we would not have gone so this interview was extremely fun and very uh, mutually beneficial in 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 a learning perspective so thank you so much for that thanks aira you're being too kind but uh, itna thank you nahi karte and he got us cake for yeah, our listeners he got us tiramisu so cute <laughs> okay Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time and for being a part of my show. I'll see you in 5. Thank you. See you.